0: Taking soil samples and testing them for mineral content is important in areas where fertilization is necessary. This farmer is taking soil samples from several representative spots in his old pasture.
1: County Farm Bureau's or other agencies. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Buddy Seat. Part two.
2: Of The Escapade with Ethan Westfall.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yet again, I'm Zach Goodwin, and I'm joined with my beautiful, wonderful co-host here.
2: I'm always
1: delicious. (laughs) He's been in the feed yard a little too long, but he's still delicious. So, uh, Ethan, how are you?
0: I'm great. Better than I deserve.
2: That's what he said to me on the phone when I talked to him the other day. He's He's always better than I deserve. I know. And then I told him he sounded like Dave Ramsey and he said even on his worst day, it's still better than he deserves. And I can agree with that. I've been called worse than Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. B. Ramsey. I grew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the guy <laughs> that's always like you gotta buy, <laughs> you, gotta buy every, <laughs> you gotta buy everything with cash.
1: Well Do we farmers buy
2: everything with cash?
1: It depends on who the IRS is listening.
2: <laughs> I gotta turn that back up so we can sample dang buttons. Uh,
1: we ended the last episode on a very great note, great quote from. This is what a note sounds like. Well, we didn't end on that one. We started it on this one, but, uh, Ethan gave us a great quote and really some food to think on, and we sit here and talked about it for a couple of days. But, uh,. Ethan, I want to ask you one question. Last episode, and I wrote down here in my little journal. What, what? journal? The paper in front of me. There's no paper
2: in front of him. Just asking the question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just is looking at the wrong weight, But what was one of the most memorable moments in your career? That you're like, this is where I belong. That really sent your moment home. Not the mentorships. Not that. Just you on your own out in the field working.
0: Oh, man. Um, Yeah, crickets. (laughs) Have you had multiple? Yeah, you know, I I think uh, as I sit here and think about it, the, the one thing that all of these have in common is the response from somebody else and or somebody else that I, I look up to and admire so much calling and asking my opinion. And and I guess it'd probably be that one more than anything. Um there's another gentleman that uh I'll say that he's he's more experienced. He's not old. He's just more experienced.
1: Well Justin you're more experienced in my book with the yeah. public. So
0: so his his name is Ron Courtney and uh Ron Ron was a range and pasture rep with Dow for many, many years and, uh, retired and then went to work for Bayer as a range of pasture, uh, rep for them. And I still, I still, uh, work with Ron and talk to him just about every week, if not multiple times a week. And he's, he's just an incredible mentor, uh, a wealth of knowledge. He's, he's just a, an all around, just a great guy. Um, but I'll never forget. He, he called me one time and, was asking my opinion on how to approach a specific weed that, that I dealt with a lot in my old territory, uh, that he did not come across very often. And I, I gave him my full spill. I ran through just like it would of anybody else. And before I got off the phone, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, man, here's a guy that's been doing this longer than I've been alive, like a lot longer than I've been <laughs> alive at the time. And, uh, He's calling asking my opinion genuinely. It wasn't like, hey, I'm just going to test you and see how you're gonna answer this. He legitimately was calling asking my opinion he needed help. Yeah uh, and so that that's about as high a high as, as I, I can think of to have somebody that I look up to and respect that much call and and ask for my professional opinion and help uh, and feel like you know you're you're contributing to the team in that way. So,
2: cause you could have taken that two separate ways and there's, and you can always tell about how someone is, is when that happens, you can either be like, Oh, this guy that I look up to is calling me. Like huh, I finally made it like, yeah, that's right. He had to call me <laughs> or it's like, "Dagum, it's awesome that like I've, earned enough respect, and he recognizes that I'm also an asset to him because he's invested in you.
0: Yeah, and and a, a ton of that goes back to him. It goes back to, we like we talked in the last episode uh, about Bridget, about Chad, about a lot of other people that have invested in me to help me get where I'm at right now. And and where I'm at right now is, is not at all where I'm going. Like, I, I hope to heck that I'm way better at my job next month, next year, definitely by the time I'm done with my career than what I'm at today. Um, But it's almost like I felt like he probably got to see a return on his investment in me.
1: But I guess I want to segue off that because I don't see it directly that way, but I do. Everybody at this table, we're all the same age. Literally all the same age. And I've had it personally, and I know you've had too, Justin, to where – Older generation, they'll teach us, but they come back to us because they know we see things different. We do all that. And I've never taken the negative attitude, like, oh, I'm sparring you. No, I'll help you in this way because they've helped me before. And I think that's a great oh, thing. Oh, I've
2: been – I've had the same thing happen. I mean, Zach has called me on because uh, he knows that I'm passionate about honeybees. And that it's kind of crazy because I'm probably one of the biggest – I don't know if it's like a – not a hypocrite, but a, a contradiction to the common person. I love to hear a beekeeper that's kind of a hippie. That how, is like,
0: how passionate about honeybees are you? Pretty passionate. I've mm-hmm. got, depends about,
1: on what time of day you call him because I call with the bee question one time and he just not having it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've got
0: eight hives right now that we would love to sell to you. Full blown honey <laughs> operation. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I'm, I'm to the point where like,
2: I'm saying' them, the contradiction is is like I love to hear another beekeeper that's like anti pesticide yeah and that's the first thing that I try to understand is what I'm putting out is it gonna be harmful or and, well, and you know we were talking beneficial. the other day Ethan I, you know I just asked randomly because I've sprayed a lot of different things now and I was like you know what kills milkweed and you're like uh it's really hard to kill and I'm like hmm and I, when you told me that, I got to thinking, I was like, hmm. But yet, us spraying pesticides, herbicides specifically, is killing all the milkweed, but there's only a select handful of pesticides that will truly smoke milkweed.
0: So you've been to my house. Yeah. All that pasture back behind our house is where we keep our bees. Yeah. We, we have sprayed that pasture multiple times with our bees in the pasture. We've sprayed grazon. I've sprayed it with chaparral. Um, it's been sprayed with Sendero. We have put a lot of herbicide on that pasture. We have seen zero response from our bees
1: whatsoever.
2: Now, if you went out there and sprayed a neonicotoid or something, yes, it's no, that completely
1: would be,
0: different. Yeah. It's
1: well, like whenever, you any know. Funny story, if you called Justin on a Sunday after you have got 27 bee stings, mad, and you go, Justin, I need to get rid of these bees, what well, I do? <laughs> you had a bad day, they go, just nuke them, I don't have time. Because they were mad.
2: Yeah, I was like, just Dawn dish soap them. I mean, that's how you can terminate a hive without, you know, using harmful, you know, insecticides and stuff. Because the Dawn dish soap actually, uh, is insects like bees breathe through their skin, through their exoskeleton, and Dawn dish soap is like, what it would do to us if you squirted Dawn dish soap into your lungs, you'd just suffocate. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great way to die, but it's better than grabbing a can of Raid and then you can't use that box anymore because that residual is there for so long.
1: Well, this was not a water meter, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just like, they're harming and, you. And a and little uh, Zach fact for the day. If you're ever out in the field and get attacked by a swarm of killer bees, the safest thing to do is lay flat on your back on the ground and stick your feet straight in the air if you have jeans on and long socks. Because bees only attack things above ground surface. They will not attack the ground.
2: Yeah, I didn't know that. You know who taught me that? Wes Marty.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that. And luckily that day I had my welding shirt on. So I curved myself up. I hunkered down the ground in a ball for 30 minutes. And they finally dissipated. But I had 27 stings partially in me and pulled out another 20-something stingers in my sleeves.
0: So I've got so many bee stories. But so do you beekeep, Ethan? Yeah. i you did never not seen know the that in
2: our that garage. I never yeah. thought. Oh yeah, that's right in the back. Yeah. yeah, you that's right. I remember that now. So the yeah. first
0: time that I took Laura back there to help me with the bees, I mean, I we were getting suited up, we're getting ready to go back there, and I I give her the whole rundown. It's like, okay, babe.
1: First off, what got you into bees? The fact that you want to see the herbicide deal with them? Or <laughs> no <was laughs> deal. Or you're like, what can I spray? I mean. Um or you just really like it,
0: honey? No, the the guy that uh, married my wife and I that did our wedding, good friend that I grew up with, and he and his family had gotten into him, and, and they lived in Weatherford, and I actually lived in Weatherford at the time as well. They moved to Denton, and they didn't have a great place to keep their bees. And he said, "Man, I just I need to." wash my hands of this whole deal. You know, it doesn't fit our lifestyle now where we live. And he's like, I tell you what, you give me a thousand bucks and I'll give you the whole thing. All the hives, all the equipment, whole nine yards.
1: Well, the suits and the steamer would cost that.
0: Yeah, it's it's expensive. It's not a cheap hobby. But, uh, so my dad and I split it. We both gave him 500 bucks and boom, off, off and running. Um, but... I'm I'm getting Laura all geared up, ready to go out there, and and kind of the last thing I told her, I said, "Look, worst case scenario, you get a bee in your suit and the bee stings you. They can only sting you once. The stinger pulls out, the bee dies, and that's the end of it. So if you get stung, stay calm. Your reaction is to freak out. Your heart rate goes up, your breathing goes up, your your
1: and they pick up on they that.
0: pick up on everything.
1: Especially a weed eater. Yes, they don't like weed eaters at all.
0: So uh,
1: Chainsaw I, is fine. Weed <laughs> eaters, not so much.
0: I, I gave her this whole spill, and we get out there. We open the first hive, work through it, no problem. We get the second hive, and they start getting a little antsy by the third hive, and they communicate with pheromones. So when hive number two is all sorts of pissed off by the time we get done with it, we open up hive number three in a bad mood. Well, I get a bee in my suit, and it stings me. And I lose it. It gets (laughs) like in my hood. And I'm running. I get like halfway across this pasture. And finally the bee stings me. I'm like swatting myself in the face, beating the crap out of myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I stop and I turn around and look at her. And she's just staring at me like, what are you doing? (laughs) You broke your rule. Prime example of uh, do as I say, not as I do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Justin's a somewhat part-time fellow beekeeper here. You go check hives all the time, correct?
2: I haven't checked my hives in a while. I got Dr. Jones for that.
0: I didn't know you had hives. I have four. Man, I've got so much stuff. And I've enjoyed it. I want to stay in it, but we're about to move, and I don't want to have to relocate that. I just kind of want to cash out and then get back into it when we get settled down It's the like road.
2: a... I don't know. It's a blessed burden. Like, I enjoy doing it, but I have so many things going on that, like, I'm partnered with Dr. Jones on it. And uh, he's been taking care of them for probably the last six months, eight months. Um, I mean, I've seen it in the last six to eight months, but, like, I haven't, like, went and worked them. Yeah. I've been a lazy beekeeper the last year, but I've been doing it for four years now five years now and it's something that helped me understand like wildlife and and nature a little bit more bees are so smart like they are clever they're very clean i mean when one of them dies inside the hive they're dragging the dead body out because they realize that that decaying body is going to soil the hive they guard their hive there's an intricate battle system that's set
0: up with them I mean The way they communicate, the little dance that they do to show their their each other. dance
2: that they're doing out there on the platform to show where a set of flowers are, where their next meal is, they talk to each other and like the next caliber of that is move a hive. Move it. And watch and and if you move it in the middle of the day, you'll see bees come back in the evening to where that hive was originally because they had a road map of how to get home
0: it's all in relation to the sun yeah so everything like even if you weren't to move the hive if you just turned it the other direction it would throw them off because where that entrance is facing in relation to where the sun's supposed to be will totally throw them off the only thing nerdier than having one bee guy sitting here talking about bees is having two
1: but I'm really intrigued right now.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Because I honestly, I mean, I know what they do for this world and the pollination factor and all that. They're extremely beneficial.
2: They're not our only pollinators. Like, there's wasps, no, but there's, a- there's, there's
1: butterflies,
2: there's hummingbirds, there's the wind. There's lots of things. And without a doubt, I mean, we do push it pretty hard that if, like, bees cease to exist, crops would die. It's not going to be that dramatic. It's going to be pretty dramatic. But people need to realize that there are a crapload of other pollinators out there. We just choose to cultivate and and flourish, and bees are the experts at pollinating.
1: Well, that's because they made a movie about them. Mm. Have you ever seen the hummingbird movie? They didn't make it yet. Now, that's one creature I do like to watch, and they come around here every spring and fall, they'll show up. And their migration pattern. I mean, birds? Yes. Crack
2: birds? I call them crack birds.
1: Yeah, the way they move their wings?
2: (laughs) You know, I've also watched uh, my beehives get spicy and learning how to requeen. I mean, that's something that a lot of folks don't realize. And, and, And I knew about it. Dr. Jones called me up and said, hey, what do you know about bees? And I was like, I know how to get somebody into beekeeping and I know how to kill them. And he just chuckled, and he said, well, I want to get into beekeeping. He goes, I'll finance it. You teach me everything you know. Let's do it together. And that's the most entertaining thing is is I get people that call the office, and they're like, hey, I'm getting into beekeeping. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, I've already got my hive. And I'm like, well, you're already into beekeeping. <laughs> you're like, in it. <laughs> you're in it. There's no, like, learning now. It's doing
1: what still amazes me because I do know this for a fact. The way you ship bees is through United States Postal Service. Mm-hmm. You can, and that, but like when I
2: go pick my bees up, like they're in their box or what they call a nuke, and and that's short for nucleus. Like they're in the middle of the box. I'm assuming it's a set of six frames inside of a smaller box, and they have trap doors. Uh, And so when you get the nuke, the nucleus, because it's a nucleus, think of like an atom. Yeah. There's everything going on around it. They take a core out of a hive and do a split. And they take that and it has a queen with it. Mm -hmm. And you take the nucleus and you take that and let them, you take those six frames out and put them into, put it, I'm getting away from the mic. You put that into your actual, you take those frames out and put it into your brooder box. Do you there's use your reason, boxes. like Waxahachie, or where do you get them? Blue Ridge. Where's that at? Uh, north of Dallas.
1: Uh, there's a big... Texas bro- Bee Supply. We,
0: we've used uh, Bee Weaver for a lot of our queens. A lot of our genetics are running through Texas Bee 5, Weaver. Uh,
1: Texas 5,000. Uh, Seriously, there's genetics? In
2: yes.
0: There? Oh, it's tremendous. Just like cattle.
2: Yeah. Really? Yep. Like, I'm... Buy Italian Cordovians from a beekeeper out in California, uh, just because of how they act. And then Bee Weaver, they have a breed
0: called a Texas Five Thousand. They're a little aggressive. Um, so your Italians are more docile. There's a Russian bee that produces really well, but they get makes a little really spicy. Really good vodka. Really good vodka. Okay. Really good vodka. But they're a little hot headed. So I mean, in Russia. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Italian Cordovians are like baby dolls.
1: Yeah, but they talk with their hands. Yeah,
2: but yeah, they no, they really do. They you can work Italian Cordovians with nothing on.
0: We had some Germans in one hive, and we went to take it out, and they were like
1: nine, 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 yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Though. They're you really get fun one that, until October, though. Then they get like that really third or fourth <laughs> hive that Ethan was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <Damn. laughs>
2: the scariest thing is, is when you y'all
1: are setting me up for these dad jokes. I'm sorry. Let's keep going with these names of me. <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> there you go. Let's keep going with these dad jokes. Come on, where are bees coming from? I mean, give me the stuff I mean. <laughs> where's where's the bees come from? Well, I mean well, we got Germans, Italians, Russians over here. It's crazy though, like no joke. When it's time to requeen. Do we have the Chinese bees? They just work in the mass hours and they go sleep. In oh, the that's apartment. all bees, I feel like. But it, it's kind of <laughs> neat to think about
2: like I wish I could. Show you Zach how a queen comes. It comes in a little bitty, uh, a little bitty box, queen cage, a queen cage, and it's
1: got it's two like red of, velvet and a little like horse drawn carriage. You know,
2: yeah, kind of, sorta. It's got it's got two to three little <laughs> worker bees in there. You keep getting my dad jokes here. Yeah, I like you, that you, Ethan. You, you being, I'm trying to be serious over here, and you're over popping them off like you pop rocks.
0: You know,
1: Yo, these sp- are too easy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, easy,
2: easy like Sunday morning.
0: So, on the bee topic, you you talk about being out of place and uncomfortable. We joined the Hill County Bee Club, (laughs) and we had so much fun going. But you got to understand, like,
1: hardcore
0: bee people are a different breed. And there's so much that can be learned from them, and the passion is unbelievable that they have for that. They
2: are livestock. Did you know
0: that?
1: They are. Because uh, I do know that for the simple fact of there is where Cannon's barn is, Cannon Venture, Jake's big barn over there in Waxhatchee, across the street is a massive bee operation. They breed them, they raise them, and they ship them to California and all around the vegetable farms to put their hives to pollinate. Yeah. And that's the one deal that by U.S. DOT law that the by some hours but not all the hours driving – Basically because nobody wants them in the truck stop. If they had to sleep and pull in for the night, you park in the back side. Because these bees just have a grass tarp around them. And they park, they'll get out of the grass tarp, and they'll come back. Or some of them will. The rest leave. And it's amazing to see that. They said the easy way to get around is they don't mess with, like, nobody will park around you to see a bee truck. So,
0: So it's a whole lot easier to haul bees, move bees at night. Because when the sun goes down, all the bees go back in the hive. That's the rule. Can, they only run. Yeah, you, you, you close up the front door, and boom, you got them. Um, so when we bought our bees, I had to go to Denton to get them. So we drove up there, got there about dinner time. We had dinner with our friends. And then we suited up and went out to where they were stored. We closed all the hives up. And, and mind you, we're in Denton, and it's well after dark. And so we finally get all this stuff done. It's the middle of the night. We get on the road, and Laura and I are driving down I-35 with this rinkety piece of junk trailer loaded down with beehives. And, golly, where were we? It might have been Alvarado. I think it was Alvarado, the big truck stop that's right there on 35, on the west side of the road.
1: No, we don't have a truck stop on the west side of the road. That would be Itasca.
0: Maybe it's Itasca.
1: task has a big truck stop on the west side of the road.
0: Anyways. Anyways, we pull over at this truck stop to get gas, and we're still suited up. And these suits are solid white. It's the middle of the night. Yeah. There's just two people get out of the truck
1: dressed
2: head to toe in solid white. You were just missing a point. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's that button. Yeah.
0: Anyways, we got some real strange looks at the gas station. I would give you lots of strange. walking around in Especially full white suits. Especially in Itasca, Texas. In Itasca, Texas.
2: I took my brother to. I took my brother to go get my bees, and
0: uh, he was. You like, took Hunter.
2: I took Hunter, and I was like, "Hey, you want to go with me get my bees?" And he was like, "Oh hell yeah, dude!" Like he was all pumped up <laughs> about it. And I didn't have a suit for him, and I was like, "You just need to stay in the truck." And because when you go pick up at Blue Ridge, I mean, it, they do do it in the evening, but they've had them pent up all day. Well, we uh, stopped at like QT or something over in um, uh, White Settlement or something. And my brother goes, so do you have to like, you know, like remember when we used to haul hogs to the stock show? Like, do you have need you give them some water or something? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, we'll do that when we get there. And he
0: was like. Just wait till we get home and have to milk them. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, like sometimes I like to give my brother shit. And it's like he, milking an almond. Yeah,
2: just just squeeze it a little bit, some honeydew will come out.
0: <laughs> Aphid shit,
2: but you know, it, it's always interesting to you know talk to somebody that hasn't has
0: no idea about bees, and you're
1: talking one right now.
0: So I I got in a bad spot with ours. We we uh, we caught a swarm, and that that's Laura's favorite part is. Hunting swarms in the summer, um, it's it's when they're the calmest. So they put so out. So she's a like into it now. She's into catching the swarms. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but we had this swarm in a box right next to the house, and they were super calm, Bush. super super chill. And we just got a little overconfident, and and uh, I went out there and I let my dogs out of the kennel, and I've got a black lab, and she's wide open. All the time. She takes off running. She hit that box.
1: How do you catch a swarm?
0: Oh, there's lots of ways. <laughs> lots <but> of ways. <laughs> I have put a box. Gasoline works very well. I have put a box on top of the roof of my ranger and gotten up in a tree and like shook the branch real hard and the f- giant ball of bees falls into the box. They're
2: super, um, what's the word? Uh, not innocent. They're super, uh,
0: not weak, but they're
2: docile. not docile.
0: They, they put the queen puts off a pheromone when it's time to move, and they, she takes a swarm with her, and it puts everybody into a very calm state. But the other reason that they're so slow and lethargic is that they gorge themselves on honey. Mm. So it's like us sitting at the Thanksgiving table, stuff in our faces, forgiving. forgiving, they're very forgiving yeah. of
2: like agitation, movement. Um, if you've ever seen that bee girl on TikTok when she's rescuing swarms, the reason why she's able to literally like scoop them up with her bare hands, because they are not in
0: attack mode, mode,
2: attack, they are, they have nothing to protect except for the queen. You squish her. Yeah. They're going to flip a shit, but like if you could find the queen in that swarm and stick
0: her down in the box within minutes, they're going to single file it right into that box. But if your dog runs into a hive and knocks it over, they go ballistic. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm talking like they went full on attack mode. They were down in her hair just wearing her out. I'm chasing her around the yard trying to get them off of her. They're stinging me. I finally get her, run in the house, hop in the shower with her and just turn cold water on because they do not like cold water. But I, I bet I pulled 100 stingers. Out of that dog. And, and for months, she'd have little festers. Because, I mean, lab hair is so thick, you can't get down to the skin. But it was a bad day. So, black labs and honeybees don't mix well. They don't make good roommates.
1: Yeah. It's horrible.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's like Aggies and uh Te- Texas people. They don't mix well. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, No,
0: no. But we're better together than we are apart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm ready well. for
0: the rivalry to start again, although maybe next year or when we figure out how to play offense again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's a lot to learn about bees real quick.
2: Yeah, no, and you didn't even really learn anything. You just got some really good stories.
1: I did. I mean, I didn't like know you about understand the storms, that. Like they don't
2: like attack. killer bees. They are so um, mission focused that. Like, you can go hide from them for, you can run into the house for 45 minutes, an hour, and then you come back out and they were waiting. Like, yeah. they know that you're inside. And they're, they, like, Africanized bees want to kill.
1: I literally lived that the summer.
2: Yeah, no, they they want, you know, I got a call at the office one day.
1: And I, and I swear, if you ever see me now and you, if something buzzed by my head, i freak out. Well, I had
2: a guy call, and and I get the call all the time.
1: They're like, you know,
2: my bees are Africanized. Well, we're in Texas. There's Africanized Africanized bees in every county in Texas now. So we don't even report it anymore. It's just if they're feral, you just got to assume that they have Africanization So that's
1: why you blew off my phone call.
2: Yeah, because I was like, they're probably Africanized, just nuke them. Yeah. Like, if they're bothering you all, you know, you don't have time to get them rescued. And then you
1: gave me the guilt trip. When I called on the whole deal after being stung so many times and fighting them off, you were like, you know, depends on if you want your corn pollinated or not. Yeah, I was just giving you shit. Yeah, and I felt guilty, and I called a beekeeper to come rescue them. Well, it
2: wasn't too long before that. I had the guy call the office, and he said, yeah,
1: like, I need somebody
2: that can either come exterminate these or rescue them. He goes, I don't care what's going on. He goes, I'm pretty sure they're Africanized. Uh, they're pretty aggressive and i was like okay well i've I've got this beekeeper you know and i gave him daryl's number and um he said uh he said it's pretty serious I was like okay well i'll get it taken care of and he said i appreciate it he goes they killed my mother yesterday snap snap like instant like in my head the record skipped off the vinyl and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry he goes yeah, it's it's gonna be okay because uh, you know she was she was older, she was you know 85 years old, and um, he was like, you know, she was outside and uh, they they got a hold of her and she just got stung so many times that she just went into anaphylactic shock and died. And I was like, you know, that's stuff you don't get prepared for on the phone. I was like, man, <laughs> we, I'm I'm so sorry. Next like, time, let's lead with that. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> let's set like, the
0: tone. Yeah,
2: because you know I'm. I'm not meaning to – I get a bee call during the summer, during swarm season, I get a bee called once, twice a week. And, you know, I've got a whole list of beekeepers. I'm like, where are you at? I'm in Godley, and I've got like three beekeepers in Godley I can call on. I mean, that's what a lot of people don't realize is that the extension office, we – everybody's like, hey, you know so many things. Like, I mean, we have to because of the, the gamut and spectrum – you know, what of y'all to deal with?
1: It. Y'all deal something as simple as crabgrass to bees to cows out. Oh, yeah. People in <laughs>
2: extension. No, literally see. that word extension. I get people that call the office like, Yeah, I got a ticket over here in Keene and I'm trying to pay my fine. Uh, I need the extension number uh, for <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> They see extension office on the county page, and they think that we're like an operator.
0: So <laughs>
2: seriously, I, I know the. Re- I'm being call Kathy and ask her.
0: I know the relationship you got with Zach, and uh, man, for the longest time when I was working with Zach, I I I couldn't figure out like did he just despise me? Think I was a total idiot? Because he'll stand there and he's listening all the time. He, his he's always processing.
1: Different Zach than the one on this podcast. Sorry,
0: sorry, Zach Davis. We're talking yeah. about Zach Davis. Yeah. So,
1: uh, agent. He handles tickets in Hill County. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's pretty
0: quiet until you get to know oh, Zach. Yeah. He's he's pretty quiet and yeah. fairly reserved, and I I always just thought man he doesn't like me at all. No, Zach's
1: one of those like you'll say something huh, and just walk yeah. off, and like that's the end of the conversation. Like his little little snippet laugh, and he's gone.
0: So we actually sold him a tractor. And I went with him to my grandpa's place back home to pick it up. And that was like five hours in sure the truck one this. day. Yeah, he opened up. I laughed so hard because it was five hours of listening to old rodeo stories, five hours of listening to war stories from the extension days. Uh noceums. Yeah. They heard the The no seeum story. Yeah. That one's oh, a good one.
1: My God. Oh, what am I one of my favorite quotes I still use this day, and I'm not going to say it on the air, came from him. I mean, literally, and I'll tell you this when we get off, just remind me. Like the stuff he'll tell you and like his little puns and snippets, you just stick with you, You remember because that's just him. He'll say something, but then he just walks off. And you're sitting he still. He still does it. He did it today at Heart of Texas. It's now. like
0: a guy that's, that's the funniest guy in the room, but never tries to be funny. No, no. Yeah, the no-see-em story is,
2: is uh, man, He I don't know if he's told you this one, but he had this lady that she was, <laughs> I guess, trying to grow catfish or something. And said, yeah, I've got this pond in my backyard, and he, she had stocked it with some fingerling catfish and stuff, and fingerlings are baby catfish for people. Yeah, fingerlings, like, as in the, the length of a finger. Length of a finger. And she couldn't figure out why they like.
1: And we're talking about the average American male finger, not the above average. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Male measurement. <laughs> and yeah, you want
1: to tape measure over there, Ethan? <laughs>
2: fingerling, fingerling, stumpy. He's telling sausage. me about this, and he goes, "And and you won't believe this." He goes, "I show up at this place, and it, it just." pack rat. She wouldn't even let me come through her house. I had to go through the side gate, which was grown up with Greenbrier and everything. Goes, this place was just a shithole. <laughs> and he says he gets back there and he goes, this place was so covered up with junk and dirt and leaf matter and stuff, he's looking at this little pond behind this lady's house. And he goes, when I say behind this lady's house, he goes, I immediately knew that it was a pool that she had turned into a catfish pond. That's and I was sitting there, I was like, you were serious, Zach? And he goes, yeah, and there was fucking rats everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, man, what? <laughs> he's telling me this. And I was like, Zachary, and this is when I, I'd i only been in like one or two years. And I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, have you not had a crazy call yet? And I said, yeah, I did have this one lady that brought in a jar of stuff and it looked like some belly button lint and all other <laughs> kinds of things, stuffed into a little <laughs> test tube. And he goes, Oh yeah, you're talking about no-see-ums. no seams. No leads into the no seam oh, story. Right. And it was just story after story. You are talking about no seams. I swear I could write a book of the calls I've went on, the situations I've been in, the
0: Man, I've got one from my my Dow days, um back when I was a, a rep for Dow, you know, one one of our biggest range and pasture products still today, Remedy Ultra, Remedy. Everybody uses Remedy. Yeah. Everybody knows. A- anyways, Remedy is designed to kill brush, woody-stemmed brush species, and it's really, really good at it.
1: At basal treatment.
0: And so I, I get a call, and this gentleman, uh, well, he was worked up. He was mad because we, we, Remedy, killed his trees. <laughs> and I said, Sir, I'm going to need a little bit more info on this. I said, uh, what happened? Well, I went and bought my remedy, and uh, I used it just like they told me to, and my trees died. Who told you how to use these? Oh, some guy at the coffee shop. Okay, so tell me how you applied it. He said, well, here's the deal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's always a, start yeah. a Great story. Here's, here's a, the deal. Sounds <laughs> like a used car salesman.
0: Car salesman, you know. Here's the deal. Yeah. Right? He's <laughs> Sign a, on the dotted line. My, my septic tank drains down the side of my driveway, and he said my my septic tank was backed up because these tree roots were getting in the septic line, clogging it all up. He said so. I went and bought a couple of jugs of remedy and went and popped the top of my septic tank and poured them down oh, in the septic Lord. tank. And he said, next thing I know, the trees died. And I said, well, what what were you pouring the remedy on? He said, I just wanted to kill the roots. I didn't want to kill the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Purple button. He,
1: he pushed them. There we go. <laughs> he pushed them all at one time.
2: <laughs> I didn't know they all keep playing together. We can mix sounds.
1: You can. I figured that out earlier. DJ Hell in the mix. Y'all, a very funny story, because this goes along with our county, and Zach Davis' story had to come from this county on the Noceums. Yeah, it did. And Justin has got so many stories in this county because the people we have—it's
2: a mix from meth to metropolitan.
1: Yeah, they don't met their. I'm own. gonna make a. <laughs> I'm gonna make a T-shirt. Says <laughs> <laughs> Johnson County from meth to <laughs> metropolitan. <laughs>
2: Meth, Milo, I, and
1: Metro. When I was looking at buying the house that we're recording now and living and looking around, I looked at everything within a 10-mile circle of the farm. That was my, I want to be so close to the farm, be back and forth, short drive to work. And we pulled up this house, very, very nice house, but right in the front was a massive hole, a little ramp down leading into it. And sitting next to it was this John Deere tractor with a front end loader and all in the house and it was kind of a little hoarder's den. And I asked the guy sitting there on his in this chair, he had a nice lazy boy sitting right there. I like, uh, sir, what about the hole out front? He goes, What about it? <laughs> I'm like, Well, that's kind of a big hole. He goes, I like to dig holes. <laughs> If I bought a tractor. I just want to dig holes. <laughs> That's what <he> told me. <laughs> like, man. how many times? seen the though? movie Holes? Uh, uh, yes, literally, yes. it's all... He,
0: all where's, he... mi- where's Mr. Sir? He's got to be coming around the corner here somewhere. <laughs> Mr. Sir. Yellow-bellied lizards.
1: You know, Which that was, was real funny. funny. Uh, this the end of about... that
2: movie when it's like, yeah, well, Mr. Sir is actually like a wanted <laughs> pedophile.
1: Like, but that's all I do. I like to dig holes. And they sit out there, and I'm like, that was about three years after the movie Holes came out. And I'm like, <laughs> you took this to full meaning. <laughs> he
2: probably read that, was made to read that book because of like, you know, star testing or something. Or what what was that? No, name? he tax. was tax. They've changed that. Yeah, so many times. Tax, time, tax teeks, toss, toast. I remember star, toss. star. Now it's star. Whoo,
1: thumbs up. But I'm like literally, and he was 60 years old. Like, I can dig holes. I was like, I'm done. I looked at Brandon Neal because he's my realtor. He was in there with me. Old oh, putty. I just putty looked over. Pud. I was like,
0: Nope. <laughs> he should have looked at him and said, mm-hmm, You put some gas in it. <laughs> Ain't got no gas in it.
2: I got them mustard and biscuits and goddamn taters and ketchup. A large one. A large one.
1: <laughs> and now we've hit the point that now we're just having a good time, relaxing because we all need it after this week. 1, two,
2: three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. We've killed 16. We're half past the breaking point of Bushlot.
1: We're having a good time. Mm-hmm. we Are you having a good time? So I'm having a good time. We're having a great time.
0: Semi making an attempt to bring this back. Uh, we appreciate you for that. From, from meth to metropolitan, you guys are in a unique area mm-hmm. right up against the metropolitan where I think the extension service and being a full-time farmer are huge in importance of, of reaching out and educating people. I mean, y'all have talked about it in past episodes, uh, farming next to a school and the response you get from the kids, farming next to a neighborhood. If we don't educate the general public on what it is that we do and why, we're letting somebody else tell the story for us.
1: And that is a great segue. This is why we're so thankful to have you here because you keep us back in our full loop (laughs) circle because me and Justin use us just to relax. Mm, But we're actually starting a project right now, and I really want to touch this on the podcast. And we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's actually started. The... PBL program. So, uh,
2: yeah, it's project-based learning. It started out in Roscoe. So what, oh,
0: yeah, y'all talked about this on a previous. Yeah,
2: so what it, what it is is um, it's a program that the state legis- uh, legislature uh, mandated, uh, and there's some pilot schools. And basically what it is is we're getting to the point where we're going to start doing extension-based techniques in schools. Uh, out in Roscoe, they have wheat trials. They have... Um, they're teaching them how to use... They have a
1: full veterinary veterinary in the
2: school. They have an on-staff DVM um, teaching kids how to... Like, they're actually running a clinic out of the school. Um, this one here, they're doing applied research demonstrations. Uh, we're going to be doing everything from asking the question, and it might be a question that we've already answered, but these kids are learning how to, like, look at – they might be looking at Hessian fly pressure. They might be looking at um, – I mean, we're going to be sitting down in the next couple of weeks and developing protocols and stuff for these kids to use. Um, but we, we've plowed up some ground behind the school barn. I don't know how many acres it is. Did your dad say?
1: I think it's right at about nine or ten acres. Nothing and that you can whole, truly
2: harvest off of, but what it... I mean, you're still going to get the harvest off of it, but these kids are going to be able to...
1: And we're actually looking at buying a smaller header to go and cut smaller plots to help them uh, because this is a joint venture between AgriLife Extension, mm-hmm. Venus, Texas, ISD. Venus ISD, Johnson County Farm Bureau, and Goodwin Farms. We're donating all our time to go plow, prep, do, but also me and Justin have this conversation... And I hope everybody's listening at BSISD because we believe in this program. We want to use it as our personal research farm to see what we can do better. And we're going to be there every time because uh, we talked about bringing sp- spring wheat into the area. It was tried here in the 70s, but it failed real bad. And we got better varieties. I want to bring it back. That way, in case of, well, corn's running late, let's print sp- spring wheat. Let's try this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Because it could open up markets, uh, bring back oats in the area. Because we can raise phenomenal oats here, but we have no market. There's lots of things where I want to try and do and research, develop. And I think ultimately, I've thought about this, I thought about today a lot driving. Why couldn't we look into putting in a crusher and see the feed potential? Let them research yeah. that.
2: So it basically, if we got what their funding to help. Is- uh it, it i mean they've got they're going to be incorporating like uh they've got a not an IT class but they got a class that's working with drones uh and they're wanting to incorporate that in to look you know using as basic as RGB all the way to infrared and um using different different technologies and and getting these kids so that by the time they're graduating from high school They've got a full technical degree, or they've got associate's hours, degree. associate's degree, uh, leaving high school,
1: meaning that kids can leave Venus ISD and go to a major university and spend two years and be fully vetted. In four years, they can be masters, and then in six years, they can be doctorate. Instead of they're shrinking the time gap to their full potential. Yeah because they have a full eighth-grade program right now that is building, designing, and doing drones.
0: Man, that's incredible. So right down the road from where we live is little bitty town Penelope, mm-hmm. and they've got a robotics team. And, and I don't know the full story as to how this all got started, um, but it's a really big deal for that community, and they've competed and done exceptionally well. Um, y- y'all have talked a lot about education. On several of these podcasts, and my personal opinion is that the state of Texas education system is too broken to repair in its current state. I I truly believe that we need to hit the reset button and wipe wipe the slate clean and start over.
1: I want to touch on that statement though, saying that it's not broken as a whole. It depends as a state as a whole. It does lack. But there's so many. I think from the heart,
2: it's broken, from Austin.
1: From heart, yes, I will agree with that. But there's too many schools doing their job and recognizing the issue.
2: Like Penelope, going, "Hey, this is an opportunity that the state is
1: they've put out here, but
2: they're not pushing it as an avenue." And you, you know, but it, then
1: I go over here to Venus and like we had that meeting. We sit down with the assistant super. Uh, Jim Bob Webb, uh, I keep messing up his name, the AGMEC teacher. Talk to all of them. Their passion's still there. They're yeah. They're driven. They're ready to go. And, like, we show up this meeting. And, and me and Justin see this all the time because this is kind of what we do And we start these projects. And I guess we've been the face of them for a little while, especially when we go the board. You do this more than I do. But people doubt what we show up with. When we set our mind to something – we show up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And well, it's
2: because so many people have made promises to these schools, and I'm see or, or and and it's not just that it stakeholders promises to stakeholders. Like, I mean, it it, I mean, like when we did the thing out at the railroaders, having the owner of that team and the and the head of public relations for them to go like, y'all said y'all were gonna do this and the way you were going to do it and then y'all not only did what you were say you were going to do y'all ended up doing more mm-hmm. and then
1: and then we forgot half the stuff we had planned that night because we were so overwhelmed and busy but we same thing with up.
2: venus you know we said i mean we i turned to the assistant super and i said your main priority right now there was a big brush pile in the back of this area and i said your main priority right now is to get that pile burnt, and he he did he did work on it.
1: He did because literally day we show up to plow, we didn't give him a day. We're like, we plow this field across because of all things, we farm Venus ISD's land. We farm Alvarez ISD's land, but then across the street from where this plot is, I farm that field. It's not a big field, but I farm it. I was like, I mean, we, us? And, we,
2: and we told him was like, it was eight days later. Yeah. The blade was going in the ground and
1: they we were going to pile w- that morning. Dad pulled in. It was still on flames. He plowed the edges out. We had to go back and plow through the pile, but he got it done. Yeah. And like the day Dad was showing up, he was pulling out. I was out there he-
2: the next morning pulling soil samples because I mean, I'm not going to be that county agent that says, oh, yeah, we'll make this happen. I mean, the, the county sheriff came to me and said, hey, you know, um, I want to see the county jail have a garden program and something to help rehab these people. I mean, we did it in three months, and, and we're still working on making sure that it, it's going to be lively, and I think that's something that, I mean, you don't do this, Ethan. You Every time I've asked you for something, you're right then and there, and there's so many people in society um, and that, that say they're going to do something, and, and that's all it is, is, is show up and do what you say you're going to do.
1: And that goes along with, like, the county jail program when the sheriff reaches out to you and, like, i a to plow Hey, can, this. We, can, we,
2: can we plow this, you know? What and was me and
1: it? Justin were talking, and he goes, I just got to get this plow." I was like, tell me when. And he said a date, yeah. and I was there that morning on time, plowed it, and left. So I, I think going back to the school deal,
0: the way that schools are funded, the way that funding is, is handled. I think the standardized testing, and I, I'll i talk out of both sides of my mouth here for a minute because I think there's a place for standardized testing.
2: Without a doubt.
0: With that being said, when the vast majority of our students' education is based around a standardized test, I I have an issue with that. And, there's and a place for it, but it doesn't need to be shoved. Yeah. and, and They and, get
1: taught to that test, and that's it
0: and And I don't think that there is a I don't think that there is a um superintendent or an administrator out there that would sit at this table and say uh-huh. absolutely that star test or whatever the heck it is we call it now that test adequately prepares our students for the real world. I uh-huh. don't think there's one out there that would say that
1: Well, I got a question for you when you went to college, did you know how to study? no,
0: oh dear God, no. I had to
2: teach myself how to do that.
0: So did I. But, but and I love the one of the very early f- podcasts y'all did, if not the first one, was about college ain't for everybody. Yeah, college educated and everything. Yes. Yeah, with Jay. Um, and I I believe that wholeheartedly. I think there's so many kids that get forced to college campuses that have no business being there, that don't want to be there, mom and dad are making them go, or that's just what society tells them they need to do. And we need to be able to start early on in the high school level and say, hey, you think you're going to pursue college? If so, this is the route you need to go. Do you think you're going to pursue a trade? Hey, if so, this is kind of the route we want you to go. They do that in other if countries.
1: It, yeah. yeah. I literally called uh, you about this today. I have a young boy that works for me. Great kid. Tanner. Domino kid. Tanner. Brody. Yeah, both of them. College is not in these boys' future. Not that they're dumb, not that they're slow. But the fact of their passion does not lie there. They don't like school. They it's going to be school. useless for them. They, right. they will never get nothing from it. And I asked Tanner last night, and I talked to his mom about it, and she listened to this, and I appreciate them listening. I asked him because he's like, hey, I don't have school Monday. Why? Well, was in six weeks we don't have school. I'm like, okay. i like, do we pass six weeks? He said, well, kind of, maybe, I don't know. That's not the answer I want. Because I do believe in education. I do believe in school. And I flat told him, like, his mom and dad are trying to give him the best senior year possible as far as showing and projects. Like, they're let the checkbook open to try. And I, that is a chance that 95, 99% of the kids don't have in this world right there. Their parents don't believe in that. And I called her a day because I thought I overstepped my boundaries. And I was like, I hope I didn't. But I lit into him. I was like, do not take school lightly. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't pass that by UCLA rules, Mm.
0: whatever. UIL.
1: UIL. UIL. You cannot show. You can't do this. And I was like, and I was starting this project with him, like the Pimping Projects podcast. I talked about a project with him. like, I'm not going to put my time into this with you if you don't do this. Because if
2: y'all build that project and he doesn't pass, then it's not going to get exhibited. Yes.
0: So I I don't know anything about this kid. Never met him. Um, But I know he works for you. Yes. And I know you've talked about him making a dang good hand out here.
1: He's a really good hand.
0: So if he had a class at school right now that was everything you need to know about an R-series John Deere tractor.
1: Oh, he'd be all over
0: it. He'd be an A+. Plus.
1: Oh, yeah. He'd love it. And his mom will tell you this hands down. He comes back from the farm and tells about what he did that day. Like, I handed him my old A300 John Deere tractor, which I that's my pride and joy. I'm going to brag on it. First tractor I bought on my own. Mm-hmm. Nothing fancy. I made it nice, but not it's not one of my new R-series deers. Hand it to him. I was like, You're running this. Showed him how to run it. He's running it wrong at first because he was dogging it because he found out a black smoke. He, you know, young and dumb. And I <laughs> saw him doing that one day and I was like, Nope. He was like, You blow that engine from doing that? You're buying the engine. What's that cost? About 20K. And he's like, Oh no. Now he runs it like a baby. Yeah. He knows how to run it. And I will commend his parents for this because he can take an ass and He can do all that very well. And I dealt with them on a lot of things, and Brody the same way. They both can take ass for me. And I'm thankful for that because I've dealt with kids that can't. Because there's nothing worse than getting that mama phone call. But also, last night I brought this whole statement to him asked about the grades and all this. I was like, look, I was like, if you don't pass, you don't work. You go home until you're passing, then you can come back to work. He's like, seriously? I was like, yeah. Ask Brody. And Brody's in the backseat so been with me for two years. And Brody's like, yeah. If I don't have my schoolwork done, Zach, don't let me work. He said, I like coming to work. And Taren, it's like, and I think Taryn took me lightly at first, and then he talked to Brody. More after the hours, because they are best friends. They do talk. One is homeschooled. One goes to school. But they are best friends. And I reached out to his mom and like, I hope I didn't overstep. I understand this. I did this. I did this. She goes, no, you didn't overstep. He'll listen to you. Which we were all that way when we were 16.
2: Were you you leading into that, Ethan? Like, And if I'm putting words in your mouth, let me know. But when you were saying that, like, education system's broken, and then you followed up with, like, you know, if there was a class about an R-series tractor, you'd eat it up. I think if we had more of that focused and just –
1: The PBL if, classes.
2: I don't I know if it's, like, academies or something, but, I mean, I've always – you always hear people about, oh, my favorite time, you know, in college was when I finally got to take meat science. That's, you know, that was my favorite class because they're passionate about meat science. Or, my favorite time, my favorite class in college was feeds and feeding. And, and what do you do now, sir? Oh, I'm a I'm a nutritionist for Bryant Grain. Yeah,
1: but that's what we talked about earlier. You said you graduated the four O because you took all majors classes. So you found somewhere you're passionate and happy and enjoyed, and that's the difference. If you find something you care about, and Justin, you're same way. When in college, you took you took a class you liked. Did you study?
2: Oh, I mean, I didn't have to study. Because you listened.
1: You were I listened
2: there. to my instructor and...
1: But think about the class you hated.
2: Because I didn't have to study. Oh, yeah, because I had to study because I didn't care about learning the information. But if it was a class I enjoyed, I don't know if I'd call it studying because it was I was retaining it because I was like, uh, I yeah, need to I, use this. I'll
0: go a total opposite direction. Uh, I took an animal repro class uh, with Dr. Poe, who's now at Tarleton. Mm-hmm. Um
1: Okay, Poe had one, and I took, um, oh, <sighs> it's called him Dr. Penis, because he'd yell it. <laughs> um, oh, you know who I'm talking about? We called him a man legend in the animal science department. Oh, I see his face. Right, Poe? Come to me. No, it ain't so, Poe. I,
0: I didn't study for anything in that class. I didn't need to. I could pass any test he wanted to throw at us any given day because every single class I was in there just feeding on. Just give me more. Give me more. Like And think light bulbs are coming on, and I'm thinking back to the cattle that we've got at home and how we can improve those. And it was just like, man. And at the time, I was working at a deer ranch, and, and everything in the deer industry is genetics-driven. Yep. I loved it. I ate it up. And I'm like, most kids – have something like that. Most kids have something that they're fired up and passionate about. Let's find a way to grab a hold of that and 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 run with it instead of saying, to heck with that. You can figure that out when we get done with you and you're out of here. But for now, you got to pass a star test, and we need you in this seat so that we can take attendance and get more funding. It, but
2: we're, we're smoking it with this damn standardized testing. Because, yeah, yeah we've got STEM academies, and we've got – this account, we got the PBL, like even this, and I'm not knocking it. We're going to have this PBL piloted program, but we're still, by God, we're still going to have to deal with that test. And,
0: and, and if the test is a necessary evil in this education system, then let's make it more relevant to real life. For example, let's put a few questions on there about how a credit card works.
1: Well, that's what, and I actually... Pose this question to Warner:
2: Understanding compounding interest. Oh. like, if you don't understand compounding interest, well, I had that is scary.
1: I had a teacher that taught me that very well. Luckily, because there's an advanced class, and he tossed, like, "This is what you invest in. This is what you do. This is what you do." But they
2: treat those classes advanced classes, and they Different. really don't need to be advanced. It's practically practicum classes. Like,
1: and but I had a lot of kid, like a lot of friends of mine that took. Uh, Not remedial math, but um, there's another word for it in college or high school. They took that, and they learned how to balance a checkbook. They'd spent six weeks doing that. That's a fair trade to have, but six weeks? Teach me, and I guess, and I asked Warner about this other day, talking to him back and forth. Like, if you had a class in high school that could have told you how to file taxes, would you have taken it? He's like, no, it's been boring. And he's right at that age, it'd probably been very boring. We wouldn't want to do it. We wouldn't want to deal with it. But to this day, I wish somebody really taught me how to file and play my tax numbers and do all that right. And trying to figure it out is hard at this state in life. That's why I pay an accountant to do it all for me.
0: As a junior or senior in high school, though, if your counselor said, Zach, you can either take calculus, too, or you can take personal finance.
1: I'd probably pick personal finance.
0: I would have, too, without a doubt.
1: Now, that's me saying this at 30 years old looking back. I probably still would have then. I mean, I would probably at that age would be like, what's the easier one? Uh, 100%. 100%. Well, I was saying, like, the compounding interest
2: thing is, is, I mean, I'm sure all of us has financed a vehicle or something. And you look at that, that total price – No matter your interest rate, I don't care if you get a one percent or a. I could
0: easily write a curriculum though for two semesters on personal finance, from credit cards to checkbooks to personal loans to mortgages to investments. You look at what you're going to pay for your house. Because we've
1: all made those bad investments, right? And we've all bought something out of spur of the moment that cost us a lot of money. At this age, way more than what that thing was valued. Yes. At this state in life, we've all done that. Yep. And I appreciate that. But also think back at when we twenty two, 22, 23 years old and we bought something and our parents or our mentors told us, don't buy that. That's a bad investment. And guess what? We're going to prove them wrong. We still did. Still bought it. And then you realize, I look back and I'm like, why the, why the did I buy that? So, so. It's no different, Justin. Uh, not to cut you off, but. No, you're good. But. Think about all those pickups you built and what you did. And all oh, I put money.
0: so
2: much money into the trucks I've had.
1: And but When Tanner, I became an adult, no. Tanner and me had this conversation about two weeks ago because he wants to build that Dodge he has. And that's his passion, and I appreciate that. I was like, quit putting money into a 270,000-mile Dodge third-gen pickup. Let's get you something you can rely to drive every day to work. You can make it nice. You can put your bumpers. You can do all that you want to it, because he told me, "Well, you know, I've already put another two k into this pickup, three k into this pickup, out of his summer paycheck." I was like, "What do you have left?" "Well, nothing." I was like, "And you still got a pickup that's gonna need a transmission pretty quick. You're gonna need this. You're gonna need this." And he sees me driving my black Denali. I was like, "Practical." It. That's what it is. I know I drive a very fancy, nice pickup, but it's practical. It's what I need, and I own pickups for eight to nine years at a time. I drive them till the wheels fall off. And he's like, what was your payment? I told him he about had a heart attack. I was like, you start working a steady job. You have a good house to live in. This is what we can buy. I was like, I'll help you. Start save that money back. Quit pump money into this wore-out pickup. In my mind, they had 250,000 miles of their wore-out which you get to different people's minds, because they were out at 50,000 miles. I run a, I got an 07 that's got 300-something thousand miles on it. We still run it every day. But it's the work trip.
0: What were you going to say, Ethan? So I, I was extremely fortunate. Um, my dad was a banker for 10 years before he went into real estate. Um, so when it comes to money dad was, was always extremely helpful and not only giving advice, but it was always let me show you and explaining things and it's it's one thing to tell somebody um, hey, this is what you should do hey, this is what you shouldn't do hey, trust me don't do this, it's a bad idea but to be able to show them and to be able to explain and fully comprehend why they're saying the things they're saying is a totally different ball of wax and i think that's where forcing some of this into curriculum and forcing kids to study this early on is going to have a bigger impact than just saying hey trust me don't do that it's a mistake um you know teach a man to fish don't give him a fish
2: oh yeah i i'm I go back, and I've always said, and and my wife's going to be listening to this podcast, and probably her eyes are going to roll like a slot machine. And, you know, for the longest time, I would, like, my first pickup was a 98 Toyota Tacoma, and my grandfather had willed it to me. I drove it for a few years, and every time I turned around, there was just something else that was, wrong with it there was something else like and there was nothing mechanically wrong with it I would find flaws in it I'd be like man it, it doesn't have this it doesn't it, it's a extended cab it's not a four door it's not this it's not that and I look back all the time and I'm like why did I get rid of that truck all it would it was a 98 like those were notorious pickups to just need basically an oil change and maybe an every once in a while some spark plugs mm-hmm. and it was always a situation of me looking back on that, and be like me getting rid of that truck and i traded it for I, I sold it and i bought a dodge with a 454 in it that i ragged out busted up you know but I, I had a fast pickup and you know by god it was a bigger truck and it wasn't like a little tacoma you know and my dad all the time said man you're gonna regret doing that man you're, and i wish he just said no you're not selling the damn truck and you're going to thank me later in life. You're going to hate me now. But, you know, I still sold it, even though – because it was in my name, the whole shebang. And I wish I had someone like your dad that's like, this is why you don't do this, Ethan, because if you go buy this, you're going to end up paying – I mean, like, when I, we were buying our house and, you know, paid what we did, and you look at that, that bottom line after we pay for 30 years, and you're like, okay, so my home – Granted, it's going to get equity in that 30 years if we're in it that long. But you look at what you're going to pay after interest after that 30 years. Holy shit. Yep.
1: That's what, I mean. And,
2: I I mean, I guess that's where the Dave Ramsey comes in with paying. And I don't know anybody that, I mean, I do know people that I can say now, yes, I know people that could pay cash for a $200,000 house. But some things you do have to finance.
1: That's one thing I'm really thankful for. Like, the house we're sitting in right here. I was fresh out of college. I actually bought this house before I graduated college. Uh, I'd saved all my surplus scholarship money up. I was blessed enough to have that in life. No student loans, nothing out there. Mm -hmm. And I'd saved the money back. And when I sat down and bought this house, I freaked out. I mean, I just was not ready. Because I went from owing nothing in life to all of a sudden, I owe $150,000 to a random bank. And dad's like, it will work out. He said, just trust me. He said, this is the best investment you'll ever make in your life because I bought a house in 10 acres. And I put some massive money into remodel, but I'd saved up. And to this day, I'll tell dad I'm so thankful that he talked me into it because I was terrified. Because when we first started looking at houses, I was like, don't they have $50,000 houses? Because they're called RVs. <laughs> I was like, Well, I'm okay with that. I want something cheap. And I bought the place. And y'all you were talking about your first pickup and all that, and just reminded me my first pickup was a two thousand two GMC Sierra fifteen hundred H D. Hey. That was the ones that were the three quarter ton wheels, axles, had a four door all black with a full center console and bows. And you talk about pulling to my high school, and this makes me sound old, but I, I was kind of like Burt Crush said, I was the big dick in the locker room pulling into that high school. Because I had a 4 drive and four doors. And not that I've ever been that guy walking in the locker room, kind of like Burt said. You just know the guy that walks in there. And I walk in there, oh, like I pull in that first day in that pickup, and they're like, you're rich. Nope. Pickup's already, at that point, was already, like, nine years old. Dad just left it around for me and quit driving it and parked it in the carport. And I love that pickup. And that's the one vehicle in my life I wish I'd never got rid of.
2: Yeah, no, there's lots of those.
1: Because it would literally, to this day, I guarantee still be running around the farm. It was yep. so tough, and dad, tra- dad traded it off for a one-ton dually for the farm and gave me one of his old work trucks, and I was happy to get a diesel, but I wish I'd kept that one because it had a six O in it. with the, the. I mean, that pickup would pull the world, great fuel mileage, do everything about itself. Because running around stock shows, I was still getting 20 miles a gallon. mm and that's a hard subject for another day. Y'all remember the, like the old twenty-four valve Dodges? And oh yeah, first generation Duramaxes all getting twenty miles a gallon. Yeah, not today. My new one does that. Finally, got a few,
0: missing a few parts.
1: No, mine's bone stock. That new engine will do that. Really? Mm. Uh, right. Justin drove me back from uh, Corpus. I left here, went to Corpus, and we didn't fuel up till. Uh-huh. The Grange or so? Yeah, something like that. But I will
2: say, I've enjoyed BSing with y'all tonight. We uh, said we were going to make this episode like 30, 45 minutes. We made it to an hour and 10
1: already. Yeah, I think it's about time to tune off because uh, Justin going to get back to the Hard Texas stock show and rodeo, and uh, Ethan, Ethan's gotta going to get to, to San bed. Antonio?
0: Yeah, I'll be headed to San Antonio in the morning. Yeah, going to go spray some stuff down there. Always going to spray some yeah, stuff. Always yeah.
2: squirting that chemical.
0: <laughs> spray maybe yeah. no spray no maybe
2: yeah
0: <laughs> but yeah so we've
2: killed it and uh ethan i really appreciate you sharing your evening with us and
1: that uh, goes for both of you, us if you and...
2: listen i thank you for letting us borrow your husband
1: and oh
0: th- she'll be listening oh for she'll sure listening.
1: thank you for coming on both times i'm glad you came back two weeks in a row so <laughs> had a had a
0: blast i One hope we we'll keep coming back the squatty
2: potty was here and I I hope sponsored by Squatty, but not. <laughs> <laughs> use code Beyond the Buddy Seat. <laughs> beyond, use code Buddy Seat. <laughs> That's not really an ad. That was a joke. But, but that wraps us up, right? Plant the seed and share this thing to the next generation, right? Meaning your friends.
1: Always, we'll say this. I'm gonna say one thing, Ethan. Hope you come back and join us again. We really enjoyed you. Had lots of good conversation. Maybe
2: next time we'll have a
0: studio. Hey. This kitchen table is just if fine.
1: It, if it rains, we'll have a studio. Yeah, yeah. Please rain. <laughs> uh, but glad to have y'all. Glad for all the listeners. Thank y'all for everything. Uh, really appreciate you listening to RBS and just what we are and who we are, because this is unedited, all natural. And,
0: <laughs> and Warner's uh, home.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Warner's up, home now, but... We really appreciate y'all and like, share, text, tell everybody, put it on Snapchat. We don't care. We're just here to talk and give a little bit of knowledge and have fun. And if y'all need Ethan Westfall numbers, eight six seven five three zero nine. So, um,
0: I think you just aged yourself, dated yourself a little bit. (laughs)
1: You should have
2: just done the Mike Jones number. That would probably helped a little bit better. I don't know that number. anyways, and this is us uh,
0: signing off. Are you doing that already? Taking soil samples and testing them for mineral content is important in areas where fertilization is necessary. This farmer is taking soil samples from several representative spots in his old pasture.
2: Bye, everybody. Thank you.